you guys see this story of Mr. Peanut? He's dead. Yeah. Well, how'd that happen? I don't know, but it... <laughs> did, did Hillary get him? Um, I don't know. Did he have information on Epstein? Yeah, I, I don't know why you would, would uh, kill off a, uh, a fictitious, you know, uh, character, but Mr. Peanut, uh, they're having a, uh, a funeral, uh, an ad that's going to be playing during the Super Bowl. Dude. I don't know. It's, it's just, just a day of, you know, monocles, glasses, and top hats and canes don't play in 2020. I mean, I I, I love uh, dry roasted peanuts. Yeah. I love honey roasted peanuts. Um, I've always been a fan of Mr. Peanut. I cannot believe that uh, they are killing off uh, Mr. Peanut. He died at 104 years old. 1916, he was birthed? I mean, how would you? Was a peanut I, I guess get he would born? Be, no, he would be shelled. He'd be shelled. Yeah, he was shelled and shucked, uh, shelled and, uh, 104 years yeah, ago. Yeah, 1916, and he barely died in 2020. Well, I want to start to the decade. Come up with. I want to come up with a uh, a list here this morning. Best and worst uh, pitch pitch characters. <laughs> um, Mr. I mean, you would think Mr. Peanuts on the Mount Rushmore, right? Wouldn't he I mean, be he's one iconic. of the most? He's he's iconic. Right? He's a a peanut that wears a freaking top hat and a monocle. Yeah. It's awesome. So uh, we'll put together our list: uh, best and worst uh, mascots. You know, pitchmen mascots for uh, you know uh, product. Is Mister Is Mister Peanut among the best or the worst? I would say absolutely one of the best of hey. all time. R.I.P. Mister Peanut. Now I'm going to say this and make no one forget it. Just like Jeffrey Epstein, Mister Peanut did not kill himself. <laughs> well, I think he died of natural causes. I, I don't think there's any any. Uh, other than, well, do you we be- haven't had the report yet on that's, Mr. That's Peanut. true. Do you believe? I mean, one would assume at 104 years it was natural causes, but I don't know what the life expectancy of a peanut is. Like, I know if yeah, Mr. Peanut know. was a human being, I would say he probably died of natural causes. Now, do peanuts have much longer? Are they like, you know, Wookiees? Or, you know, do they do they live a like lot little longer? Yodas? Yeah. Yoda lived so, till he's like 900. Right. So I don't know if this was, uh, we'll have to get into it, but if you have a. You know, what are your best uh, Is commercial? Tony the Tiger still alive? Yeah, I believe Tony the Tiger. They have the t- well, hell yeah. Who skipped the Tony the Tiger Bowl? Oh, oh I'd be yeah. your boy Alex Hornibrook. Yeah, Hornibrook. Tony so, the Tiger is still alive. Tony the Tiger is absolutely He's still great. Still going. So uh, we'll put together the best uh, uh, pitchman of all time. Where does Mr. Peanut fit? Unless we want to put that out on the Twitter. Yeah, if you have a suggestion, uh, 608-321-1670. Nelly, you know who Mr. Peanut is? Yeah, the little guy with the top hat, monocle, and a cane. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. I was just checking. Uh, oh, 104 years old. I don't know what happened. I'd like like he's to dead. get. Uh, you know, did he die of? I mean, dude, I guess if you leave a peanut out, I mean, can peanuts eventually, you know, rot or spoil? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. If you like leave a jar of peanuts or a bowl of peanuts on your desk and they go unkept for a while, can a peanut expire? Yeah. I. Yeah, they can. I don't know. I just, I've, I mean, I, I love. I, I guess I've never seen like a moldy peanut. That's what I'm saying. Can you remember ever seeing a moldy or, you know, rancid peanut? I, I, I can't, but I've never, I've also, full disclosure, never left a peanut out on my counter for months or years to what see if it would rot. 104 years. In right. shell peanuts keep for four months in the pantry and about a year in the fridge. Shelled peanuts last for four weeks if stored in the pantry in a year in the fridge, says doesitgobad.com. So he really outlived his oh, life. Yeah, 104, man. Wow, he lived his best life. God then. bless My him. My goodness. All right, 608-321-1670. So we're obviously talking about Mike Patton, and we have the Twitter pull up to the Packers make the right decision, keeping him or not. How about before we get to that, I'm going to ask both of you guys, are based on the press conference, and if you want to pull those comments oh, up yeah, too, we'll go, go for it. I'll, I'll start with you then, Nelson. Are Based on what Matt LaFleur said, Yesterday in his year in press conference, are you surprised about the news of Mike Pettin coming back? Yeah, I was with you guys. I thought after hearing that, it sounded like it was a, yeah, well, I'm not really sure. And then you get the axe like two hours later if you're Mike Pettin. So, yeah, I was on board with you guys. I thought he was out the door. Um, I mean, because the obvious thing would be, Ebo, right? If you're going to bring the coach back and you're in that press conference, wouldn't you say, Look, it didn't end the way we wanted, but we love Mike Pettin. We love the direction this defense is going in. Of course, we're going to bring Mike Pettin back. He didn't. Here's what he said. Tell me that does, does, does this sound like a guy 
who's 40 minutes later going to rehire this guy. Yeah, I mean, we're still working through everything right now, you know, just trying to evaluate everything. Like you said, I think our defense did a lot of great things. Obviously, the last game was really disappointing in terms of our performance. It just wasn't good enough, especially when you, you get to a championship game like that and you know what's at stake and just all across the board. So if you're going to bring the guy back, and look, he did, so I guess it's 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 irrelevant at this point, but I'm just saying at the time, it, it, wouldn't you say Mike Patton's our guy? We love the direction in this defense. Um, it was year one in this, you know, with all of us. We know we can all do better, but we are happy to bring Mike Patton back. If he's coming back and you're confident, wouldn't that be the answer to that yeah, question? Yeah, I feel like you would be like, yeah, we're sticking with Patton. Because right. even if you're not, what have we heard from every other coach ever would be – they say one thing and do the other. The thing that exactly. they always say is, "Yeah, that's our guy. We're sticking with him. You know, he's great in the locker room." They say nothing but good things, and then ten minutes after the press conference is over, you, you find out the dude was fired. We've heard that a million times. It's like when Mike McCarthy went up there and said the quarterback room is exactly where they want it with Hunley and uh, Callahan, and then they're trying to go ten minutes later. The report comes right. they're trying to get Brian Hoyer. So uh, I don't know. To me, it was. Is this another? This is what I don't get. So Mike Pettin was the only coach that was held over from the Mike McCarthy staff. So apparently Pettin had had someone's ear, or Pettin had Pettin had something on somebody. Or they, you know, the reality is they probably just liked what he brought to the table. But it's so weird that he hung on from the past regime, right? Because they cleared house. Correct. And most people, and just whether it's college or pro, when a new coach has heard, what's he want to do? He yeah, wants to bring, bring in his own guy. And it was it was kind of bizarre that. They held on to him, especially when LaFleur went out and got all his own dudes everywhere else. And then, you know, the defense, we talked about, you know, Aaron Rodgers said week one, what, we, we, we finally got, have a we defense? We got a defense. Oh, I mean, did we? It was a middle-of-the-pack defense, but it led in, it was good at turnovers. It well, and somebody brought this up yesterday because we, 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 they were on Twitter listing all of Pettin's highlights and lowlights. And where the Packers were at their highest, this defense was the beginning of the season. It was Mitchell Trubisky and Kirk Cousins, right? Those first two games where the Packers and the defense really won those first two games. Did Was it we've got a defense, or was it that the Packers opened the season with Mitchell Trubisky and Kirk Cousins? Yeah, somewhere in between, but right. I'd say more <laughs> Trubisky and Cousins because we saw if the Packers did indeed have a defense, I think it forgot to come with them every time they went to California. And what's the lasting memory? Mostert setting a playoff record running down. The Packers' defense was atrocious against the Niners. They couldn't even set the edge. You Miller, blind people. I know Dave from Anona's <laughs> listening. Everyone knows that you had to have Jimmy Garoppolo beat the Packers. They couldn't. They Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball how many freaking times? Like eight? Yeah. Patton had one job in the biggest game. Stop the run game. You knew what they were going to do. And then the dude sets a playoff record. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have to do a thing. The Packers get torched, and you're like, wow, is this Dom Capers 2.0? Right. How many um, NFC Championship games do we seem to get blown out with the, with some bad defense? Right, and where it's the defense. And, yeah, the, certainly the offense carries its blame in the first half. True. But people don't remember this, maybe because it's it was so brutal. Packer offense outscored the 49ers in the second half. So if you, if you go by halves, it was even – the difference was, the, in the first half, the Packer defense allowed 27 points. The 49ers only allowed 20. So, in fact, you know, if you if you break it down offensively, the Packer offense in that game didn't play that bad. Now, you could say it was second half. They were down. They were throwing it all day long, and I get that. But to your point, yes, here's another NFC Championship game where the defense didn't show up ever. Man, you could at least say the offense made it somewhat interesting in the second half and scored three times. Where the Packer defense gave you nothing. Now that's one game. That's but that's the last game. And what do we have as fans to go off? The last thing you see. And the last thing we saw was the Packer defense, like you just said, getting run over by the 49ers. I don't know if I would really want to talk about the Packers offense outscoring the San Francisco 49er offense in the second half when I don't even know if Jimmy Garoppolo attempted three passes in the second right. half. I'm saying it's it's easy to score when you're down 27 yeah, I mean, nothing. I'm just saying the Packer defense never showed up in that game no. in the biggest game of the year. Nobody did, but if you're we're not talking about bringing back offense, we're talking about Mike Patton. The last thing he did was we watched him literally not be able to stop a third string running back. Jimmy Garoppolo was 6 of 8 
for 77 yards. Yeah. I mean, they were laughing about it on the TV. Six of eight. The broadcast, you know, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were, were laughing about how they, they they knew what was coming, which means Mike Patton had to know what was coming, and it still didn't matter. Well, is this another, what did Mike McCarthy do for too long? Keep Dom Capers. What is Matt LaFleur now doing? I know it's not too long because there's year, well, what, could, three total yeah. for Patton, but, you but can make that two argument. for LaFleur. Is Mike Patton is in the biggest stages, in the biggest game. <laughs> the dude, an undrafted free agent journeyman, went for a playoff record. 220 yards and four touchdowns. I think when you look at Mike Patton, you think he's – the defense we had seven years prior was terrible. Mm-hmm. He's made it respectable. It's still pretty average. But you can't unsee how bad of a performance that NFC Championship yeah. game That's was. That's the problem. It, it, Nelson's right. But is it's, it's better, but you can't unsee what you just what is, just happened. Is Mike Pettin still suffering though from Ted Thompson guys? Has Brian Gutekunst cleaned up that whole defense? Because I saw someone making that argument last night. I mean, there's not much you can uh, say. Like, uh, nah, I, I think you know it, it's year three. Uh, now it's on Goody. That's like you know when when you say how how long did Paul Christ have to undo Gary Anderson's mess of bad recruits? By year three, you got to say it's you're you're standing on your own at this point. Six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. Chad, welcome to the Joe and Evo Show. Good morning, gentlemen. What's Hello, up, Chad? Chad? How's the roads, brother? Uh, they're not that bad. It's kind of just a fluffy snow. I think that half the vehicles drove over them and it blew off. But <laughs> it's a little slow going. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So I thought we were over the Packers. <laughs> Chad, we'll never get over I mean, we say one thing, we'll never get over it, man. You know how we are. I know. I, I still like. I, I still feel the Dom Capers uh, comments. The, you know, San Francisco has gassed us in the playoffs twice now in my recent memory mm. based upon a defense that looked terrible. That I don't know. That, that didn't even look like the same defense that was on the field most of the year. They didn't have problems against the run. They had problems giving up the big pass. So... I, I just I don't know. The one thing that I I think the reason might be a reason or might be something that uh, Lafleur is holding on to, to Mike Patton is he probably talked to his good buddy uh, Slay in uh, California for the Forty ers and probably said, you know, what do you think of this guy? And he gave him an honest answer. If the guy said, you know, he's a decent defensive coach. Matt Lafleur probably said, "Okay, let's hold on to him." I don't know. Are you happy that Benton's back? I, you know what? I actually don't think Benton was completely the problem. I think our middle linebacker is too slow. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. were lying there. No, I, thanks for the thanks, call, Chad. Chad. It's like one of these things. You know, at Ebo is a, is a management thing. I know I do the same thing as a business owners. Like, if you have an employee that's not the greatest, you're like, "Man, I wish we could get someone better." But the question is, do you know that you're going to get someone better yeah. if you get rid of this employee? Is average better than unknown? And I think Petten's solid. I don't think it was special. I think they were solid. The question was, would Lafleur be answering today? Is if I had fired him, could I have? Do I know for a fact I could have got someone better? And the answer, of course, is no. Yeah. So do you say? Then you got to reset again, you right? Know? And then you got to implement a new system and so on and so forth. So the question would be, if you're if you're Matt Lafleur saying, "Man, I don't love how our defense played this year, especially at the end." But do I really want to start over? At least I know what we got in Mike Pettin. I I like Mike Pettin though. That's you know that's I was obviously everyone's disappointed about the NFC Championship game. I thought Pettin, he's been trending. Hasn't he been trending up? If you take away the NFC Championship game, which is a hard thing to do, hasn't Pettin been trending up though? Hasn't the defense been looking better? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So I mean, you know, another year get Brian Gutekunst, let him do work. Maybe get, like you know Chad was just alluding to middle linebacker. Maybe get him some couple more pieces and see what happens next year. All right, uh, 608-321-1670. How surprised are you that Mike Pettin is back? And in honor of the death of Mr. Peanut, give us your best pitchman all time. Where does the iconic Mr. Peanut rank as far as the best movers of product or most recognizable movers of product? Robbie, a, a couple takeaways from Matt LaFleur's press conference. Obviously, we want to talk about what happened in the end of the season. But uh, first things first, we've had a lot of people weighing in on this. And really, the first thing that LaFleur opened the press conference with, we're talking about the lack of effort and preparation. And the question of, is that on the coach's responsibility shoulders or is that up to the players? Now, clearly, if it's a bad game plan, if he's not making in-game adjustments, if he's not substituting the right players or reading the right coverages, that's on LaFleur. 
Where I struggle with is if the Packers weren't fired up, weren't motivated, the effort wasn't there, is that on Matt LaFleur or does that fall on the players? You would say what? Probably a little bit of both, Joe, leaning toward the players. I mean, LaFleur could have helped him out early in that game by having some stones and going for it on the fourth and one near midfield, right, and trying to make an early statement in that game. And they talked all week about starting fast and getting a lead and playing from in front, and you probably weren't going to do that by playing cowardly, which is how they played offense again for more than half the game, guys. Um, yeah, when it, when it comes to effort, Joe, and, and motivation and drive and all that intrinsic stuff, I, I still think that's on the, the player more than the coach. It's, I mean, these guys are professionals making multi-millions of dollars, and, and I, I'll be honest, I was surprised to LaFleur hasn't called anybody out for the most part all year. He's, you know, he's, he's kind of walked a fine line with any any critical comments of players or anything like that. He, he hasn't taken that route. So it was really interesting when he when he went in that direction yesterday. So you can only imagine what it was like behind closed doors when they sat down and and watched that film. But 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 he's right. I mean, I, I think it's a combination of things, Joe. I, I mean, I really do. I I don't think. They uh, they played with the necessary effort level, and then the bottom line is they all just got their tails kicked. San Francisco's that much better than them. I mean, that game's twenty-seven nothing at one point. It, it probably could have been a forty-nine nothing game if San Francisco didn't sit back in the second half and allow Green Bay to complete some things and run clock. And if they kept hammering away, um, I mean, I, I think that could have been a five-six touchdown game. So I'm with Matt Lafleur on the on the one topic, Joe, where he says that there's a significant gap between these two teams. I don't, I don't think it's close, like Aaron Rodgers said. Um, you know, bottom line, overall, guys, it was a crap show out there in the NFC title game. Another forgettable one for Rodgers. Um, and Packer Nation, again, hits an offseason with, with a lot to complain and moan about. Um, Rob, so, I mean, complaining and moaning, you know, not many people want to talk about how the offense didn't look that good. They want to more focus on the defense. Were you surprised, uh, speaking of that Matt LaFleur conference, like he was kind of wishy-washy on retaining Mike Pettin, then a couple hours later they retained Mike Pettin? Did that surprise you? Yeah, it's almost like Mark Murphy got a hold of him right after the press conference or something, right, guys? Yeah, that, he should fire uh, himself. And, 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 said, and said, yeah, guess what? He's your defensive coordinator. I Again, I'm, I'm speculating. I don't know if that exactly happened or, or not. You would have thought – you would have thought Matt LaFleur had that figured out before he took the podium. Uh, he, everybody in Green Bay knew that was going to be one of the first questions and one of the major topics, topics of that press conference. So it was it was really surprising me that, that he didn't have an answer at 9 o'clock yesterday, but then he had one by mid-afternoon. Um, maybe the Packers didn't expect that to quite blow up like it did, but, but they have a lot of trained professionals in public relations over there that, that should have known that that's what was coming uh, in the press conference. You know, Evo, I, you're right. A lot of people want to want to point all the fingers at the defense in in, in this game, and and let's be honest, that that's certainly fair. Um, that looked, I, I told Nelson this, that looked like Sun Prairie or Middleton running the ball down down the throats of Madison East or somebody like that in a Big Eight game. I mean, you, you just don't see that at the National Football League. Um, but don't don't excuse Aaron Rodgers for one second, guys. This, this is his fourth straight clunker in NFC Championship games. He wins the one against the Bears where he doesn't play well um, and has a 55 passer rating. He wasn't good in 2014 in Seattle with a 55 passer rating. And then, guys, these last two NFC Championship games he's been in, 2016 and 2019, his team is down a collective 58 to nothing before they score a point. 27 nothing on Sunday, 31 nothing to the Falcons in 16. Rodgers has not been good either, guys. He's piled up some garbage stats in the third and fourth quarter when the other team just really wanted to go home. Um, but don't excuse him for one second because he has failed big time on the biggest stage as possible. Visiting with our Packer inside of Rob Reich of Forbes.com. So now we do our best. Uh, Bob Robbie. Seeger, Robbie, turning the page. And we were talking about this earlier in the week. You know, Packers have a lot of free agents, not the big names like a year ago, Matthews and Cobb and others, but certainly, you know, Bulaga, Blake Martinez, Mason Crosby uh, are still pretty big contributors to this roster. What do you think Brian Gutekunst, his first move should be? And what do you think his first move will be here now that the season's officially done? Yeah, Tremont Williams is in that group too, Joey, Kyler Fackrell. Um, if, If this was my football team, Joe, I, I, I think the strength of this team, at least one of the top two or three, was the offensive line. And, and I make sure Belaga comes back. 
And and it might be tricky. But Belaga might have played his way into a three-year pretty big contract from somebody out there, guys, where I'm sure the Packers would love to go two years, kind of a short-term deal just because of his his injury and his health and the fact he's 31 come March. Um, and probably doesn't have a ton of time left. But but Brian Belaga, uh, like, like uh, I think it was David Bakhtiari Sunday night, said Brian Belaga is Green Bay. And um, he's a Midwestern guy, obviously in Iowa, uh, born and you know born and raised in this area. Loves Green Bay, would would love to stay. I I, I don't want to say he'll go as far as he'll give him a hometown discount, but I but I think there's I think there's a, a way they can work that out to to maybe have a front loaded contract where he gets paid handsomely in 2020, and then the Packers have some out in in 2021 if he's if he's dinged up and, and nicked again. So I would start with Balaga, Joe, because that offensive line was, was really good. And, and really the offensive line was not a problem uh, on Sunday night out, out in San Francisco. They ran the ball fine when they ran with Jones. Those guys protected well. It, it was it was some other parts that, that broke down. Guys, I, I know he's your guy on the show, but I think Blake Martinez is as good as gone. Um, it sounded like he was saying goodbye Sunday night uh, in, in some of his postgame stuff. You know how how important field goal kicking has been, you know, in in Green Bay guys. They, yep. they had all these close games this year. I think they were what nine and one in games decided by eight points or less. So to me, you you, you can't go cheap then on a kicker. You you've got to pay a kicker who you know and trust and and can rely on. So so I would find a way to bring back Mason Crosby, and then really guys like Fackrell and Tremont. I I I I don't know. It, it probably depends where the market takes them. I don't think Green Bay gets in the bidding on those. I think Fackrell guys is as good as gone. Someone will probably pay him based on his 2018 tape when he had ten and a half sacks. But you know, Tremont I know would love to be back, and and they'd probably love to have him back. But uh, again, he he played extremely well, and, and maybe he played himself into a contract that Green Bay just doesn't want to pay, and and they're going to have to go draft another young guy in the secondary. So it's. It's really interesting, Joe, but you, you asked where I would start. I, I would start with Balaga, then go to Crosby, and then kind of see where things go from there. Robbie, real quick, I know the draft is upcoming. We have some, you know, we'll, we'll have time to talk about it in the week, upcoming weeks and months. But if you're the Packers, do you draft a wide receiver in the first round or an inside linebacker first round? Well, you know, it, it's an easy, simple answer. I mean, it's, an, it's kind of a cop-out, Evo, and I, you know me, I usually don't go that Don't route, say best player available. It's probably whoever's <laughs> the best guy there. But Damn there, it, there's Robbie! No question there. And, and, and the other thing that's going to play a big role in it too, Evo, is, is who, who do they sign in mid-March, yeah. right? I mean, I, I think without question they have to go get a veteran receiver because even the, even the stud wideouts, Evo, and you know this for the most part, they don't help you till year two or three. There, there's always an aberration out there that that comes in and has a strong rookie year but but for the most part it takes these guys at least a year and and i think i think they're playing with a really small window right now guys with with rogers and and they've got to go all in for the next couple of years um there's no doubt evil they've got to take a wide out in the first two rounds um and and they need to upgrade it at inside linebacker and they may need two of those guys um but it probably depends who you land in in free agency because i expect them to be aggressive again as of today, guys, they're, I want to say, $29 million under the cap, and Jimmy Graham would give them 10 more, and Lane Taylor would give them 6 So they can quickly get themselves into the mid-40s uh, in terms of cap room. And, and who else? Who knows who else on that roster right? might be, might be sacrificed if, if they find another guy as an Arius Smith or a Preston Smith, kind of a player that, that they want to go out and get. But the defense clearly needs help, especially in the run game. And, and I think Evo You've got to get a veteran wide receiver to pair with Adams, draft a young guy who jumps up right away to three, and then guys like Lazard and Kumro and them fall back into their more natural roles of being fours and fives instead of being twos and threes. Uh, final thought, Robbie, on a non-packer, but keeping it in the division, I saw potential landing spots and that there was actually a, a potential interest from his side was Tom Brady to the Bears. Uh, a, do you think Brady leaves New England? And if he does, I, you know, do you think they got one year left to Trubisky and then they'd be done with him? Could you ever see whether it's Tom Brady or Cam Newton or Phillip Rivers, uh, one of these uh, aging veterans go to Chicago because they're just saying we're done with Trubisky here? Yeah, and I, I personally, I, I, I'd be shocked if Brady ends up leaving New England. Joe, I'm, I'm still of the belief they'll get that figured out. He's I mean, he's like family to the owner out there, so I, I'd be surprised. But I fully expect the Bears 
to have a veteran uh, either to replace Trubisky or to certainly give him competition, whether that's Andy Dalton, who then you know it's a, it's a competition deal. But if they bring in a guy like Cam or Rivers, that's going to be to replace Trubisky, right? And, um, and hey, the general manager only gets so many coaches, and, and the coach now there is on the hot seat after, after this last season. The general manager is going to be on the hot seat, not because of Mac. Mac bought him some time, but, but obviously because of Trubisky trading up there and missing on the way on both Watson and Mahomes. So, so that's put Ryan Pace on the hot seat, obviously, down there. And, and guys, they're pretty solid across the board. I mean, that, that's, still a, that's still probably a 10-win football team if they get the right guy uh, leading the huddle week in and week out. So I, I wholeheartedly expect the Bears to have a veteran in camp uh, either to take that job away from Trubisky or certainly to give him competition. And if Trubisky fails in the first two, three weeks of the year, to, to jump in and replace him. So, uh, again, Joe, that, that stems back to everything we talked about this year, that the Packers caught so many breaks on the way to 13-3 and three in the regular season, 14-4 and four overall from, from health, from other teams in the division imploding, from Stafford going down, from Mahomes not playing, to Delvin Cook being hurt. I mean, it was, it was a great year for Green Bay to capitalize, and and they went as far as they obviously could this year, but things are going to be a lot tougher next year, guys. Hey, Robbie, as long as the Bears sign someone to help Mitch Trubisky turn the TV off in Hallis Hall when they start losing, that's all they care about <laughs> down there. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty critical role in the organization. Yep. Hey, uh, Rob, the Twitter account is at Rowdy Razor. Rowdy Keep underscore Razor. Underscore Razor. Check tomorrow night around 8 o'clock to see if, in fact, Wisconsin wins, does Greg Gard come off the vaunted Mount Notice? Well, I, I'm sure as soon as that game ends, Gard will be running to his phone. To see <laughs> I, have, I have no doubt. On Ron Rowdy Razor's uh, Mount, Mount Rushmore there. So, yeah. Uh, so good luck good luck to Gardo. Good luck to, to Nelson. However that however that turns out, it should be fascinating viewing. And good luck to you, Robbie. And good luck to you, Robbie. You got it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have See a great buddy. There he is, buddy. Fetch, uh, follow him at Rob Reichel on uh, Twitter or follow his work. Great year-end review he put up uh, on Tuesday at Forbes.com if you want to give that a good read. This guy doesn't need any motivation. It's going to be highly motivated atmosphere Saturday night at the Monona Terrace Convention Center. It's CFFC18, our buddy Josh Derry with Chosen Few. Dude. Fighting championships in nice studio swag. with us. What's up, brother? What's up, guys? Look at that How hoodie you got. That thing's balling, oh, dude. So soft. Can I dude. could I buy those down at uh, the event? Yes, absolutely. You can. Oh yeah. All absolutely right. You can. Before we talk about CFFC, I have to ask you, man. So, you got what? Two kids, young young little rugrats. Two yep. young rugrats. You're a firefighter. Yep. Just got off shift. You're saving lives. Yeah. <laughs> which is true. And then you also run CFFC, and you're going, um, you know, overseas. Or in the country here, fighting with your fighters. Yeah. Do you need anyone ever to motivate you when you get up out of bed? <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't. I don't. I'm gonna my, say he's a self motivator. Yeah. Yeah. My my feet hit the floor, and um, I have my my assistant Siri that reminds me of all the stuff that I got to do throughout the day. But uh, and first just and get foremost, it done. yeah, I get to get it, get it done. So I just get off shift this morning, head over. Get the kids off to school and come over here and talk to you, lovely people. I love it, and it's CFFC eighteen uh, coming up uh, Saturday night. Uh, great professional card. We've uh, talked with Craig Eckelberg many times. Uh, he's on the card. Uh, talk about the main event and some of the other events, Josh, on the uh, professional side because there's some amateur local flavors. Well, but let's start with the pros. Yeah, for sure. So main event is Craig Eckelberg. He's defending his um, super lightweight title at 165 against a very good veteran, Cameron Van Camp. Um, I believe he's out of Indiana. Um, super tough guy. This could be a great matchup. Um, but this will be Craig's uh, first title defense. Co-main event, uh, Devin Seitz versus Rodney Alexander, number two. This is uh, both of them making their professional debuts. Um, this is a rematch when they fought here on LFA um, in Madison, which uh, was a split decision, and all the fans have been asking for this fight back. Sweet, so dude. We, we made it happen. We're super excited about that. Um, we have our first professional women's fight. Saw that. Which yeah. Actually, you guys, this this um, this fight is going to be unbelievable because Laura Sanchez is coming out of Duke Rufus's uh, Rufus Sport in Milwaukee, and then you have Miranda Barber coming out of American Top Team in Florida. Um, so you're talking about two potentially the best gyms in in the country. That's cool. Um, so we got these females uh, throwing down in the cage. Um, then we have Austin Lutchin versus Seijo Imazaki, and then Pete Lowe making his pro debut uh, against uh, Danny Soko. Um, Danny Soko, back in the day, he actually used to train with us at Chosen Few Gym, now has his own gym um, up 
up north. And, uh, you know, everybody that's been to our show is, uh, of course, familiar with Pete Lowe and his striking. So we're excited about that. The uh, website, chosenfewfc.com. Tickets still available if you want them for Saturday night? Yep, tickets are still available there. Um, we should have tickets available at the door as well, but I would definitely go ahead um, and, and go to the website and make sure that you have a ticket. Can we have to, them hang around a little bit? Enjoy. I know we're up against a break. Yeah. I got some stuff. You want to hang out for just a little bit? Absolutely. All, All right, cool. we'll, uh, we'll, uh, let's, let's do that then. How about this? Since, since Josh was so nice to give us a bunch of tickets, let's give away one this break, and then we'll hold Josh over, and we'll give away another pair of tickets in the next break. So by Josh staying, the listeners win, Ebo. How about that? All right, I we'll go. It. We got a pair of uh, tickets. This is going to be, look, it's Vegas in Madison. I always say it. You want Vegas in Madison. This is like, did you see the Conor McGregor fight Saturday night, Starry? This is like bringing it right here in Madison. The atmosphere of what these guys do, it's going to be an awesome event. Coming up Saturday night, we'll go caller 4-608-321-1670. Caller 4, pair of tickets, chosen few, CFFC 18 this Saturday night. Caller 4-608-321-1670. We'll talk more on the card and more what's coming up with the chosen few. Well done, Paul. He's got a pair of tickets to CFFC 18. We'll give another pair away here uh, coming up in the top of the hour sports flash. Hanging out with our guy, Josh Steary. Chosen few uh, fight championships. Uh, a couple things we were talking about. Again, Josh, every time you're in here, the brand is growing. You know, you have all these guys fighting now. Uh, you know, Mark Leminger, we were talking about Dante Skiro. You, know, you, you got guys that are starting as in this in the CFFC and branching out. That That's, A, a good testament to the quality of fighters you got, and B, that the other brands, the other entities, promotions out there are paying attention to what you guys are doing. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. And that was the whole you know, idea from the start is, you know, to start this promotion to not only give, you know, chosen few gym athletes, but local athletes in general in the Midwest, a a stage to perform on, to get that experience as amateurs and as professionals, and then, you know, hopefully move them on to the larger show. And, you know, right now, um, just out of the gym alone, we've got a fighter in every major organization, the UFC, Bellator, LFA, uh, PFL, um, all those we've, we're fighting for two world championships within two months of each other, which is huge. Um, but it's you know this is um, this is why we started this you know to to give everybody an opportunity to showcase their, showcase their skills as amateurs and you know move up the Dude, through the ranks. I saw it was so cool, man. I was um, I went out to Dexter's Bar. It's kind of by my house, and there's this big crowd gathered around the TV. It's all on every TV, and I see our guy that we've had him on the show a bunch of times. Started mm-hmm. chosen few gym. We got yeah. Alex Gilpin. Fighting on, you know, what is it? It was on ESPN, I ESPN, think. yep. Um, New Year's Eve, Madison Square Garden. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than that, that for a world so title. That was so cool. I'm yeah. like, he used to sit right over here talking to us. Yep. He brought him in, man. Yep. That's that's a testament to Chosen Few, because yeah, look what you guys that. have done. Appreciate that. Yep, a uh, kid uh, you know, has worked hard and, and uh, earned that earned that spot, and, and uh, there's a reason why, why we're there. You know, we've expected it from the beginning, but um, these guys feed off each other. They work hard. Um, they perform, they live the lifestyle, and, and um, that's what it takes to, to be at that next level. I'm sure you know because of a lot of the, and I'm biased with this, I think the best guys is, are, are ex-wrestlers. And I'm seeing this you know, in, in my sport wrestling where w- women's wrestling is just growing exponentially. It's the fastest actually growing sport in America for youth in high school. And I think you would think a lot of that's maybe translating over now. You know, We were talking about you have a couple, you have a pro and a big amateur title fight on Saturday night. I mean, are, is the women... A popularity in mixed martial arts growing like it is in, in on my side of things with the wrestling. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's it's getting more popular for sure. Um, the one thing lacking in this area is the number of of women and female fighters, which w- we're hoping to change that. And we really want to encourage them. You know, to if you have any interest in mixed martial arts, um, wrestling, any of that stuff, just come in and check it out and see if it's for you. You know, Brazilian yeah. we got Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Muay Thai, and even if you're not interested in competing, just come in and. And uh, get in shape or, or learn the martial arts. And well, that's the great thing about your gym is you everyone's welcome. Absolutely, yeah, yeah absolutely. And and women's wrestling is like blowing up. It is, like, yeah. Huge. And I mean, we got three female fights on this card, and that's the most we've ever had. We've got our first female amateur bout. Um, you know, Courtney Labai. Um, her twin sister is actually fighting on the same card, which is no really way. cool. Courtney and Charity Labai. Yeah, it's really cool to that's have. That's cool. And uh, they're they're a joy to work with. They're they're great people. We've got some great fighters coming out of. Um, Chicago, and um, we've got some great fighters coming out of Florida. Now, how do you well. do it? What's your process when you go to book in a fight? Like, what do you do? Um, you mean as far as research? Yeah, research like, how, well, like yeah. who are you? Like, how are you doing what you do? Yeah, so I, I follow a lot of the at the local athletes. You know, people uh, around the area that um, have the talent. You know, that we want to showcase on on TV and in our show. Yeah. 
and um, try to ma match them with you know similar records and equal records. That's just going to be a good fight. You know, stylistically, it's going to be something that the the crowd is going to like, and something that you know win lose draw is going to make them better fighters. And I think one thing you'll notice, you know, with our fighters in general is, you know, we don't give them easy fights, you know, and there's a reason for that because they don't get better. If you're just lining up, you know, bums for these guys to fight, they're <laughs> not, the they're not going to improve. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, um, a testament to, you well, know, then you wouldn't have a guy in every major organization exactly. out there fighting. Yeah. Because what happens a lot of times, you know, there, there's promotions out there that, that feed those guys that, but when they get to that point to the big show, then they get exposed well, now they can't go back. Yeah. You know, they can't go back and redo it saying, I wish I would have done it different. Well, you know, you got to give them those tough fights and they got to overcome those adversities. Well, good news for you, Sterry, is we've, we've now we're tapped in with Wisconsin wrestling because we have the Chris Bono show every Monday morning. Uh, we do the pregame for all their home meets. Uh, we're hooked up with Sarbacher Wrestling Academy. So you, if you need another fighter, you just come see us because now we got the pipeline of D1 wrestlers, the best high school wrestlers in the state. So we, we hey. can be the Joan Ebo show can be like your uh, your minor leagues for, uh, and, you know, next time you need a prospect. And if you do need That's, one of those bums, to just in case, we got Nelson over yeah. there. For <laughs> if you need a guy who had to be on the undercard, we got Nelly. Honestly, that's that's what we're looking for because, we, you know, when those wrestlers walk through your door, you know that they already know how to work hard. You know that they can make weight, they can grind, they can train, they can all those different things, and that's a breath of fresh air. When you look at all of our, our top athletes right now, Alex Gilpin, Mark Leminger, Dante Skiro, Alex Polizzi, all those guys were awesome, awesome wrestlers, you know, and their work ethic, you know, bleeds over into this sport and, and – um, it's just a recipe for success. I love it, man. Uh, Josh Derry, CFFC 18. Speaking of Dante, I see you. Nice job tapping into the Skiro family tree. They got about 15 brothers, so I see another <laughs> one on the card in uh, Carlito. Obviously, uh, very close to the fall at wrestling program we are. So you just you go on to the next one, man. I think when he's done, there's another one. So you just keep feeding them. It is, yeah. I know Franny's off to college. Um, yeah, he'll you come know, back and wrestling. fight when he's done. We got Sal that's uh, coaching wrestling right now. Yeah. We got Carlito's the only one on the card because Dante's going to Finland to fight here next month. Um, but last show was really cool because we had all three of the Skiro brothers on the same card. And I Sweet. said, listen, we got to make this happen because it's probably the last time we ever have the opportunity to do it because Dante's moving on to bigger and better things. And, and Carlito's not far behind. And, and Sal and all those guys, they're just a, a great, great family they truly are do you want to run down your sponsors real quick before yeah i appreciate that yep so of course we got um kern's motor car company um rob's uh, performance um carbon world health um we've got coliseum bar where our official weigh-ins are um and then the after fight party there as well subs.com tnt window tinting floors for less um combat corner and of course miller light vortex optics and you guys for uh, always giving us some love and and um, always dude yeah you know bringing always new, welcome bringing new fans to the to the sport which is great you know and, and we want to see more of that so any wrestlers out there if you got any interest in in competing you know after high school um honestly this is the the, the place to be you'll love it i love it brother thank you man we got Thanks, another Josh. pair of tickets you want them 608-321-1670 go call her three nelly call her three 608-321-1670 pair of tickets CFFC 18 this weekend. Again, Matt LaFleur's comments yesterday in his year in press conference that he thought the team wasn't motivated and wasn't giving their best effort. And people, Packer fans, are now freaking out. Like, how can you say that in the game to go to the Super Bowl? And is this a bad look for LaFleur or is this a bad look for the players? I still say players. I get a lot of you have called it and said, dude, you're the head coach. You're the CEO. You're in charge of everything. Um, so I get that. I'm trying to see a point where I could say it's on the floor. I just think, what else is he supposed to do? Does he does he need to go out there and tackle for you too? Does he need to go out there and run the route? Like you put your you're supposed to put your players in a position to yeah. succeed. Everybody else, you know, on the field then has to succeed. Like if Matt Lafleur, I understand. Like a coach, yeah, should he be a little had a little you rah rah in him? Sure, but then well, how come Bill Belichick isn't? And they're winning all the championships. But Matt Lafleur. If you need to motivate million dollar athletes, grown men, it's what is he supposed to do? Be their dietitian too? Is he supposed to go stretch them when they're in the gym? Is he supposed to tie their shoes or their their cleats up for them before they run out? Make sure the shoulder pads are okay? Does he stitch the jerseys, their names on it? Like Matt LaFleur is the head coach. He puts the players in the best position to win, like you said, Miller. It's up to the players who make millions of dollars to get motivated. If you can't self-motivate, I don't know how you made it to that level to well, begin then there's with. there's that, too. Uh, you want to weigh in, Packer fans, 608-321-1670. I haven't really heard your... 
take on this, Nelson? Are you are you because no, you Nelson's call, are, are, are you because uh, you called him LaFraud? So or is this another example of Matt LaFraud or did the players blow it? Are you talking to Nelson? Oh, he's not even yeah, listening. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say. You, I don't know why you're talking to Nelson. <laughs> he's not listening. He's not paying attention. He doesn't have his headphones on. He's literally in deep conversation with Josh Theory about fighting. That's why I'm like, I don't know why you're talking to oh, Nelson. Right well, now. I guess I don't care Nelson about Nelson's no idea. opinion then. Hey, Nelson. Um. So, well, okay. <laughs> that so didn't even do anything. Do Do you look at then the is the head coach being the CEO, which I think that's you know I would say this you know like in this day and age the, the head coach is more of the CEO or the manager, right? It's the assistant coaches. Those are the ones who truly coach, right? The defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator, the assistants in basketball, because the manager is in charge of everything. So is Matt LaFleur really the guy that's the X's and O's guys, or is he relying on his Mike Pettins and his coordinators? Or if you're the head coach, do you want your hand in everything, or do you delegate to your coordinators? Like, if Mike Pettin's not a good defensive coordinator, is that Mike Pettin's job? Or is it Matt LaFleur saying, look, you're an employee under me. I need to step in. And even though I'm not the defensive coordinator, I am the head coach. So in 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 technical terms, Matt LaFleur is the defensive coordinator because he's in charge of everybody. I mean, it all falls under the Matt LaFleur, LaFleur umbrella. But you need – this is why you hire people to be self-reliant, self-sufficient, self-motivating to do their – why are you hiring a bunch of schleps if you don't believe in they can do the job? See, I'm partially with you guys. Hey, I think, welcome back. I think there's a point where the the coach can fire guys up, can be fiery and get them yeah. ready to go. But when it's an NFC championship game, I find it so much harder that he should be able to have to do that. It's, it's to play for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They should motivate themselves there. But during mundane weeks in the NFL season, yeah, I believe that the uh, NFL head coach should have to – push and prod his guys to bring him up. Because you know, every time you show up to work, whether you work here, you work at a construction site, you work at an office job, you're not motivated to go to work every single day. Those They're humans too. Yeah. Um, the Pack fan Ryan, what's up, dude? He says, the Packers need to bring back Kevin Green to be a coach and hype man. Former pro wrestler oh. that hyped Clay to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, he was the outside linebacker coach. Of course, you know, he and he did have a five-minute cup of coffee as a pro wrestler. Man, may, yeah, maybe we can go that route. Was that? Well, you said it. So, okay, so if the Brewers need a, an official sign-stealing guy, because we were working on that yep. position— um, and then things got really bad for the Astros, so maybe we rethink that at this point. We just got to do better. Um, but if the Brewers have a sign stealing guy, do the Packers need to hire a hype coach? Just a guy like Nelson what said, and you're coach? right. Usually, it, usually it is Nelson, the strength, and it's just some meathead guy, right? It's the coach that like looks like... the guy like, from Northwestern who wears the short sleeve and his muscles are ripping yeah, out his shirt. That's what that guy. most strength and conditioning coaches always have the compression Under Armour shirt on. They have, like, jogger pants, a pair of sneakers. They're bald. They got a goatee. They got a huge neck, and they're always screaming. They're the guys that are getting people fired up. And you know who normally is the the holdback guy too? The guy that's getting everyone fired up. Hold me back, bro. Hold me back. (laughs) That's the huge guy that's always holding the coach by the way. So, coach, don't get over. You're you're a yard onto the field. I'm looking at the Packers strength and conditioning coach. Um, So maybe the problem then isn't Matt Lafleur or Mike Pettin. Maybe it's the Packers strength and conditioning coach because if you believe. That the strength and conditioning coach should be the rah-rah guy. He's not rah-rahing them enough enough. Okay, the Packers strength and conditioning coach. This guy looks like he can chew some ass, but he's not the biggest dude. I mean, he's he's older. He's he's a, he's yoked, but it's like skinny yoked. He's like tall. Yeah, that's no. You, I need you a need, I need a beefcake. I need, need a guy beefcake three thousand out yeah. there just screaming till he's almost passing out. You need meathead guy who used to be on the world's strongest man competition. The guy that would lift those thousand pound boulders. And carry cars and do squats that have like you know uh, you want refrigerators on their back. I yeah. need a meathead guy for the Packers. You want to talk about coaches firing guys up? You know who got a lot out of the roster he had? Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. <laughs> yes. You should see him guy. going out there. Didn't he he's say in it? practice with he no pads hitting these guys? He practices with him. He's out there doing like push-ups and up-downs. He's a total meathead. Didn't he say? Correct if me if, if I'm you're wrong. out there and you have time, you need to YouTube Mike Vrabel at practice with Tennessee. It's hilarious. He's lining up yeah. with guys in pads, hitting them. Didn't Mike Vrabel say this year that if the Titans won the Super Bowl, he'd, he'd cut his, cut his own off. penis off? Yeah, he did. That seems like a really anti-manly like manly thing. Well, he said but... he's married. He doesn't need it anymore, so he said oh. he would cut his, his junk off. 
Well, I think you'd still need it for you know occasionally. Is uh, that why the Titans? I wouldn't know. Uh, is that why the Titans threw the game after going up seventeen <laughs> nothing? He's like, I don't want to come. I don't like, want to. I, I, really I like coach too much. All right, so do you guys? So are you both in? This is on. So if it's on the players and not Lafleur, does then is it? Do you go to the leadership? Do you go to the yeah. the David Bakhtiari, Aaron Rodgers, Darius Smith, Mason Crosby? I'm trying to think of the guys that all have C's. Do you go to the guys that are, have the C's on their jersey because those are the leaders? And it was on the leadership of the Packer players to motivate this team. I mean, yeah, yeah. But still, it still goes back to me is everyone needs to be self-motivating. I know not everyone's a rah-rah. Like, everyone's different. Aaron Rodgers is more cerebral. He's not a get-in-your-face-yell kind of guy. But that's why that's why you have other players on your roster to get people fired up. That's why when Mike Daniels was on the roster and he would scream at everyone and they said it was all white noise. That, it like blew my mind that you couldn't get fired up over a guy in your locker room like wanting to win and compete at the highest level. I'm not. Everyone's not a rah-rah guy, Miller. We all know that. Right. But you should have some guys amping you up. Like, you see Nick Bosa. when I just don't know how you don't feed off that. The game before, when the Niners... Who did the Niners play? When the Niners played the Vikings. Vikings. Remember when Bosa, Bosa was laying on the ground for like five minutes, looking like he like tore his abdomen Correct. or something. And then he gets up and he starts throwing yes. his... It's like it was the WWE exactly. moment. And all of Levi Stadium's like losing their minds. All because Nick Bosa's firing everyone up. I didn't remember a single <laughs> Packer doing anything like that. It's a good point. Well, you're not I motivated mean, when Rashawn Gary or Zadarius Smith like fake an injury and then they limp off and then they come right back in a play or two. Well, Rashawn Gary wouldn't come back. Zadarius would. Um, the three Packers captains again. If you're wondering, Aaron Rodgers, Zadarius Smith, and Mason Crosby. I don't know. I mean, Zadarius we've had for one year. I mean, Crosby and Rodgers we've had for 15. I'm going to say Mason Crosby, Aaron Rodgers aren't fiery rah rah guys. Maybe Zadarius is, but like you said earlier, the one time the Packers had a rah rah guy. He was uh, Mike Daniels, and everyone made fun of him, and they like openly mocked his his fiery speeches. I mean, so. he was a he was a strange individual, but at least uh, he Zach tried. Zach and the Dells, welcome to the Joe and Ebo Show. Thanks for having me on, guys. What's up, La Familia? What's up? Um, well, this is how it lies down in my eyes. It ha- lies down half on on Lafleur, and it lies down half on the Packers. Um, for the Packers, I think obviously for the offense, you're not going to see Rodgers fire him up. But we all saw Bakhtiari slam down beers. Why can't you bring that energy onto the play call? I mean, you see it. You see his energy. He should be able to amp up his uh, offensive guys. Uh, as far as defense, he has Zedarius. He does enough with his shirt snubbed and all the comments. Um, but, yeah, Lafleur needs to step in and, like, uh, remember the Titans and be like Coach Boone said, if you let them gain one more yard, I'm taking over. And then so Penn gets his guys in order and gets them going. Yeah, that's like right. When he, went, when he went to the defensive coordinator and told him that, that's right. I forgot about that's that. Yeah, there you go, Zach. That's what he needs to do. He needs to step up. You need to be a man. So when you want to be a man, you step up and you tell your coach, "Hey, step it up, or I'm taking over for you." Even though Lafleur probably has no defensive knowledge what to play a call, but I'm pretty sure he'd be like, "All right, coach, he ran the ball 20 times to this side when he's showing this. Maybe we should throw." Over in the box a little bit, maybe overcommit. Because if they beat us deep, they beat us deep. But you want to stop that five yard, eight yard run before. If you give up the big play there when you're down 20 0, you give up the big play. But at least you stop the small plays and you're showing something. We need Al Pacino from Thank any you. given Sunday to give a, <laughs> a pump up speech. Thank you, Zach. You come together as a team right now. Or we die as individuals. <laughs> you fight for that yard. You kill for that yard. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't know if LaFleur, maybe it's, is, the, is this the question? Is Matt LaFleur too nice? I just feel like he's too nice. Like Joe Philbin, that guy never had a shot. I know he got a head coaching job at the Dolphins for a couple of years, and I know he was the interim coach, and people thought maybe if the Packers went 4 0 to end last season that he would be considered. I'm like, dude, have you seen that guy? He's like your uncle when you go to like, you know, family dude. Christmas, and he puts his arm around you and says, Good to see you, nephew. Or he's like that gentle, like, history teacher that the whole class is, like, ripping things down. Now, kids, it's time to sit back down in your chair. Definite history teacher vibe. Matt LaFleur feels like the nice teacher you have that doesn't yell when the classroom gets out of control. Definite history teacher vibe. I guarantee this is how Mike – so, you know, you had LaFleur yesterday at the uh, podium being really noncommittal on Mike Pettin on keeping him. I think I, and right then three this. hours later, it's announced that Pettin's sticking around. I guarantee after that 
press conference. You had Mike Patton in the back just watching, fuming. He runs into LaFleur's <laughs> office, and he puts his finger in his chest. And he pokes him. He goes, you're keeping me on this staff, and you're going to like it. And LaFleur, yeah, yes, yes, Patton. Yes, okay, Mike, okay, yes, Mike. Mike. You're going to keep me. Tom, welcome to the Joe and Ebo Show. I can't believe we've got the uh, bad chemistry has infected the whole team and that we can't function because we, we don't get along or something. We no, don't it's like not each that. Other. It's just... No, I think they like each other. They're just not tough. They're a bunch of wimps. Yeah, but it's, it comes back to that thing of Tommy. I don't have trust. I don't have trust in my receivers. I don't, I don't trust my line, so that's why I'm going to run around in circles. Tommy, it's off-season Packer talk. This is when it gets wild, dude. <laughs> you got to strap, your, you strap know, yourself dude. in and you just go. You know... We mentioned yesterday about the Tullamore Dew. Don't forget that we're playing the Cubs. Tom, I've got opening day. Last year we tried something different at that beer party. Uh, Screw that. It was fun. Uh, It was fun, but, yep, screw that. No, thank you, Tom. I promise you, unless I'm dead between now and opening day, I will be Ebo, Nelson, myself, doesn't matter. I will be broadcasting from Hellfair Field on opening day because I need the Cubs. I need to see that hate. Face-to-face, Tommy, on opening day. Will you day. fight a Cubs fan in the parking lot? Potentially. Depends how drunk I get. Gavin, welcome to the Joe and Ebo Show. <laughs> hey, boys. How are we feeling this morning? I'm uh, good, man. How fired up, Gavin. Good, guys. Hey, I, I agree with uh, Nelly and Ebo on two different points here. One, I agree with Nelly that uh, you get to the NFC Championship game, that falls on the players. I mean, you got to be self-motivated enough to get up for that game. And, Ebo, I agree with you. I think teams do take a lot of the kind of the personality of the, the top guys on their team. If you look at the Niners, I mean, who are the guys that you think of? I, I think of, like, Bosa, Richard Sherman, George Kittle. Like, yeah. all three of those yeah. guys are super fiery guys. That's a good point. They're all um, they're all meatheads. They're in-your-face screamer guys. Yeah, same with their defensive coordinator. I mean, that guy is crazy. Yeah, um, that guy is a meathead. And then, and then at the Chiefs, I mean, obviously the face of that franchise is Mahomes. And if you watch any of those games, like, especially that Houston Texans game when they got way behind. I, if you heard him on the sidelines, how fired up he was. Yeah, he was, like, yeah. he was an inspiration. That's a good one, Gavin, because people don't think about Mahomes as a rah-rah meathead guy, but if you watch Chiefs games, he totally is. He's a get-in-your-face guy. He's a screamer, so that's a good point. Yeah, and, and he absolutely is, and you kind of saw it go two different ways there with him and then Lamar Jackson, the two big-name quarterbacks, where – you know, Mahomes was really behind it, and he got fired up and got his guys ready, and they, they came back, and Lamar Jackson kind of just got really pouty and put his head down and was complaining about stuff. I think the teams really follow that from leadership, guys. If you look at the Packers, uh, Rodgers is a quiet guy. You know, when I look at the defense, I think of Tremont Williams being that, you know, that veteran. He's a very quiet guy. Devontae Adams is he's still young, but I think he's one of the leaders on the offense, and Adams is a pretty quiet guy. You know, you wonder if that team doesn't follow that. I heard the other day that I think the Packers are the sixth youngest team in the NFL. And if you look at some of the stuff that happened this year, guys, I, the good thing is these guys seem to get along. I think that really helped. But, yeah, I mean, Aaron uh, Jones says it was a brotherhood in the locker room. Like, this, this is the closest knit they've ever been. Absolutely, and I, and I do agree with that. But if you look at some of this stuff as far as, like, discipline goes, um, I mean, that Chargers game, they basically almost admitted that they may, might have partied too hard the night before the game. Yep. We saw what happened there. Uh, that Lions game, you know, that last game of the year, that was for a bye. Terrible. And, and how flat did they come out in that game? And then, obviously, the Niners game as well. So, you know, you, you wonder uh, with those things, guys. But uh, have a good one, guys. We'll, we'll talk later. See you, Thank you, guys, yep. Gavin. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, I mean, you, you, they say that a lot, right? People take on identities. Employees take on the identity of their boss. Or players take on the identity of their coach. Uh, LaFleur, not a fiery guy. Roger's not a fiery guy. But that doesn't excuse lack of effort. I, you know, I feel like, you know, he gets get into a pass. When, when in doubt, you know, in, in past it was blame McCarthy or when in doubt, blame Rodgers. And they're, like, they're the faces of the franchise. Now it's LaFleur and Rodgers. But what point does, like, the rest of the players step up, right? And say, you know, we're on this team, And then when too. he did it, Mike Daniels doing it. It was white noise and everybody made fun of him. Right. All right, uh, again, big event this Saturday. Well, chosen a guy serious when he's a huge anime fan? Hey, I love Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> but when I see Mike Daniels talking about Goku and stuff, I raise an eyebrow. That was pretty weird. That's a little weird. Uh, <laughs> Nelson, I'm surprised uh, you didn't want to get this in because this is right in our warehouse as Brewer fans. And for you um, and what you want as a Brewer fan, did you guys see – who was named the new pitching coach for the Brewers AAA uh, affiliate in San Antonio. 
Mm, Hank the dog's dog walker. Tim Dillard, I swear to God. Don't no, be Tim but Dillard. you're not. Don't be Tim it's, it's not far away. Jim Henderson, former Brewer pitcher. The reason I bring it up is what was the kind of the running joke, but it, it's really not a joke. It's kind of serious. If you're a 30 something pitcher and you were in Triple A, David Stearns has his eyes oh, on you. He's got so but now. Love. This has got to be totally Nelson, right? All by Stearns. This is orchestrated from Stearns, right? He's got a 30-something-year-old ex-Brewer journeyman pitcher coaching a bunch of 30-year-old journeyman pitchers in AAA. James, this is exactly what the Brewers needed. And James why. Duffy Henderson. Is he Canadian? Yeah, he's from Calgary. He's a Canadian, eh? Uh, he played for the Brewers during 2013. I remember Jim Henderson. Actually, had a pretty decent uh, run. He had saved 28 games for the Brewers in the summer of 2013. Spent a couple years on the Brewers. His middle name is um, Duffy. He will be the Brewers Triple awesome. uh, A manager, the pitching coach for the Class Triple A Brewers affiliate in San Antonio. And again, this was kind of our running joke last summer that during the uh, during the year, especially once the injuries started piling up, what did the Brewers do, Nelson? If you were above 30 years old and you played Triple A, you were almost a lock to get a phone call from David Stearns. Yeah. Now he's coaching. Hopefully this isn't like a Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers. Is it going to be a coach-player relationship or a buddy-buddy, huh? And I did see this. The Milwaukee Brewers land zero prospects on Baseball America's top 100 <laughs> list. Man. One, yeah. one, one, though, there was one player considered. Yeah, Bryce Terang. And that <laughs> okay. was the number one overall pick. Was that, uh, was that last year? Yeah. But, or, you, uh, or two years ago? Maybe is this David Stearns? You know, planning just in case, you know, he's connected to the Astros. There's been the Brewers were connected to stealing signs. Yeah, Mike Fires. Is he covering his ass if Craig Council gets the uh, exposed and now he can bring up a manager from AAA who also can pitch? Speaking of the sign stealing stuff, you sent me something like it was pretty late at night, I think. It goes back to the 80s. Who had. Yeah, Tony LaRusso when he was a manager for the uh, White Sox. Chicago White Sox, supposedly he had people in center field that were stealing signs from catchers like back in the late 70s, early 80s. I thought you yeah. sent me some of the scoreboard. They like flip lights on in the scoreboard. Yeah, the Cubs were doing that at Wrigley. The Red Sox used to do that. I mean, that's why I'm saying I don't, I don't get why the technology, I mean, I get it. It's bad, but it's been bad for 100 years. Um, I don't get that. And I, how about this? Okay, back to Jim Henderson. Spoiler alert. He's not brought back to be the manager. He's brought back to be a pitcher. How about like mid-season Nelson? What if, God forbid, a couple of Brewers starters go down, or a couple of relievers go down, or Knable's not ready, and you got to put Hader back in the bullpen? So they need a they need seventh and inning inning eaters. What if Stearns and Council call up Henderson and say, "Hey, dude, you had 28 saves seven years ago dude. at Miller Park. How about what a great? Wouldn't that be the greatest story of the summer? Brewers Triple A pitching coach." comes out of retirement to pitch for Brewers in a pennant chase in July and August this summer. Whatever happened to the player-manager trend? That, yeah. That Pete Rose Pete killed Rose that? Pete Rose killed it. What was that, 35? Everybody how, how, 35 was doing years it. ago? Yeah, in the 80s. He was the last one. What do you think, Nelson? We need Jim to bring it back. Henderson, player-manager. I'd rather employ a, a late 30s, maybe early 40s Jim Henderson than have the Brewers employ a turd of a player and guy Tim Dillard till he's like 40 <laughs> though the guy hasn't been relevant in baseball since he was like in his mid to late 20s is Tim Dillard still banned on Twitter if he is no he he's be. back damn it that's funny. Ah, that guy annoys the hell out of me oh there you go Jim Henderson the new Brewers AAA pitching coach but I'm gonna get like to for our great buddy Raphael who joins us on Fridays from Vegas I'm gonna give like seven to one odds that Jim Henderson pitches at some point Dude, this season the player the manager Brewers. needs to come back yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Uh, all right, 608-321-1670. Um, by the way, I also saw this, Nelson. Who, would, who do you guys think would be the best player manager to bring back? Craig Council. Let him play. I mean, Craig Council kind of fit Let him that. play. He was pretty close to play. a player manager at the end. Let the man play. The problem is we have, like, the Brewers have, like, 19 infielders. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're doing with. Now, if Craig Council was, like, a center fielder or if, Craig Council was a long reliever. I mean, the Cubs are going to suck coming up this year. Maybe David Ross manages and catches. (laughs) Well, they are thinking about training Wilson Contreras. Yeah. So, I mean, just saying. David Ross is two years removed from playing. I mean, who you got an answer for possibly be the best player manager right now? Man, I'd have to think on it. I was just kind of a little. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. 
I'd well, say Craig Council, man. Let the uh, man play. That's a very good one. Can we I'm, bring back Adam Dunn just to be a Adam DH Dunn. in the AL? <laughs> what do you What do you think he would hit these days? Like 180, still slug 40 home runs? Yeah, probably. But you guys do realize you have, you know, you have a Brewer's been in the organization for 20 years, sitting out there at left field, right, and maybe now first base. You want Bronny to do it? If you move Ryan Braun full time to first base, because I don't think him playing outfield is conducive to managing. But he could be right there because at first base, how close are you to the dugout anyway, Nelson? Couldn't if the Brewers full time move Braun to first base, couldn't he manage from first base? I mean, little league coaches do. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, high school, I, I used to do the high state baseball tournament every year in Fox Sports, Wisconsin, for softball and baseball. They put the the manager either as the first base coach or the third base coach. They 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 win. I've seen people win state titles from the third base line. Ryan Braun could do it. He's at first. Your uh, T. Illinois says Jim Henderson will make will make like Nate Scarborough in the longest yard come out of the dugout to pitch. <laughs> Nate Scarborough, <laughs> where have you been? I've been rotting, waiting to get back at these sadistic guards. <laughs> Jim Henderson, I've been waiting in AAA, waiting to get back at these sadistic umpires. 